Kia ora, koto everyone. Welcome to Queensland Live Podcast. Um, I'm here, we finally got here with Victoria Metcalf, who is an Antarctica researcher, um, marine biologist. I can never say geneticist. How is that the hardest word to get around your teeth? Um, science communicator and mum to a 10 year old. Um, welcome, Harry Mai. Kia ora. Great to talk to you, Jay. Uh, finally. Um, and I always ask, how are you? And then, how are you? I love, yeah, I've been reading a lot about that question recently. It's such a good one. Like, I saw this wonderful post on Facebook the other day about, you know, how we ask that question, but we really don't want to to either get the truthful answer from people, or if we're being asked it, we so often just deflect and I go great without wanting to actually expose ourselves and give a truthful answer. Yeah. But uh, honestly, I'm, I'm actually pretty good. Yeah. Cool. And so how are you still working from home? I am largely still working from home because my workplace is actually up in Wellington where I'm actually talking to you uh, from today. I've been up here for three days this week for work, but most of the time I'm, I'm back in Christchurch and I've uh, decided that I quite enjoy this working from home thing, which is a surprise to me. It's a huge surprise. Yeah, I have office you... space down there. I can use it. Uh, but actually, I'm, I've, I don't know. I've, I've normalised this working from home thing. Yeah, totally. And so um, lockdown for you, how, how was that? Because I, I saw a few posts of yours about, you know, being at home with your 10-year-old. Um, and the, the juggles that we do, and, and how was that for you, looking back? Yeah, I mean, it was not easy for anyone, I don't think, but um, as a, you know, a mum, uh, I had my daughter full-time, and just the two of us in our bubble, it was, it was hard work, and there were many blessings, and there were lots of things I'd like to still be embracing from lockdown, but at the time, it felt like it was quite an isolating um, mission to get through that period. And there was so much juggling that had to be done. But I, I had a firm focus on fun and well-being. Uh, that's kind of how I wanted to run our household. And I was really lucky as well that the Royal Society, Te Aparangi, which is where I work, uh, or who I work for, you know, they were very firmly focused as an organisation on the well-being of their staff over that period and took a lot of pressure off us. So for someone in my position of having to try and juggle working from home full-time with parenting from home full-time and running a household and also being an educator of a 10-year-old and all that school programme and also managing her her many dance activities and drama and, and singing and piano lessons and stuff like that all on Zoom and in one tiny room that we were that I was working in on my computer. Uh, there were some insane moments, but we got through it. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah. we got through it by getting outside, I think, a lot. And and oh, completely. And I'm really it's really heartening when you hear about employers who actually uh, are human beings you know I've heard some real a real mixed bag of stories of of employers who've been like 
you you will retain the same amount of work regardless of whether you've got one two three seven children you you know we don't want to hear about those stories of what you can and can't do you will do it to to the other extreme of you do what you can do and you you just look after yourself and you you know so it's it is really lovely to hear that it was it was yeah really amazing actually and you know I remember early on I might have been one of our first team Zoom meetings and you know my my boss said you know of all that you do for the team this week is to get your computer set up in a workspace at home then I will be super happy you know yeah. that's a great achievement and so you know, they were so focused at checking in on how everyone was doing, how everyone was coping. I feel very blessed that, yeah. that that's the situation I was in. Yeah, totally. And did you have conversations with her? Because I find this really interesting about what what did you talk about with her about what was going on? Were they interesting conversations? With my boss? No, with your daughter. Oh, with my daughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, many conversations. I mean, I tried to make COVID and the pandemic as non-frightening as possible because yeah. you know we've been through earthquakes here and I think there was something interesting that happened up here in Otatahi Christchurch uh, that I think for for many of us having been through earthquakes and, and been in a city where the mosque attacks happened exactly pretty much a year earlier to the lockdown uh, it was a very familiar feeling in some ways to get this this news about the lockdown uh, and, and being sent to your homes, uh, you know, it was like, oh, this is like another sort of disaster, uh, traumatic event that we have to deal with. And I think those feelings of trauma and angst really came to the fore for people here very quickly. Yeah. And um, people felt really on edge and, and, and not great. But I will say that perhaps the benefit of having been through a number of challenging times here is that although you're spun into that sort of trauma state probably much quicker like your threshold's lower yeah. you know that familiarity of of the roads being shut down and things like that is just like oh god this is this is familiar and scary but but having been through those successive events your your resilience to bounce back actually is greater than perhaps yeah. some of the other regions of New Zealand so I do think that people here uh, in Otatahi probably bounce through lockdown possibly a bit easier than many other people. And it depends on their own individual circumstances. So I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be saying a, a blanket, you know, to all people out there, especially all mums who were battling through lockdown, that it was easy in Christchurch. Yeah. It, it wasn't. Yeah. And I don't want to diminish anyone's experience, but... But there is some some benefits and having been through trauma. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. That, no, that totally. bouncing back. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. actually one of the reasons I wanted to put all those uh, Facebook and Instagram posts up of our story of working working from home and and uh, thinking about lockdown and and I wanted to convey some real sort of positive messages that. I could use to hopefully keep people buoyant and laughing through yeah. lockdown, yeah. but also interspersing a little bit of that grit and reality of this is challenging. Like I'm yeah. showing fun stuff, but I'm also acknowledging that, you know, uh, it's it's not easy working from home um, and parenting and, yeah. and schooling. And yes, I did have many conversations with my daughter about that. And, and some of them, you know, were, 
were at times like nearly pulling my hair out. Yeah. But most most of the time we did pretty well. Yeah. 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 No. And I, I've noticed. I noticed a lot. Like a lot of people have said, yeah, we, you know, those conversations um, flowed into other things. So it brought up, you know, it brought up conversations about the world that we'd never had and conversations about communities that we'd never had and it was just you know an actually really good time and and kind of opportunity to to start whatever age your kid is you can start to have those conversations a hundred percent and I think just the opportunity to go outside and then see so many other people and engaging in outdoor activity and and walking the streets, you know, that opportunity just to make sure you're acknowledging your other fellow human beings yeah, yeah. and saying hi or smiling at what they're doing or getting yeah. ideas for something that you could do, you know, practicing that kindness to others and thinking about where we fit in the world and also what makes us feel good. You know, yeah. my daughter repeatedly telling me how much she loved being at home with me and how it was a really special time. And it really was. But it's funny, she went back to school and then she said, was so much harder being at home. Mum, mum worked me way harder than they worked me at school <laughs> on, on schoolwork. And here was me thinking I was failing miserably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was That's really stri- struggling to get her to um, to complete the task. But she reckons I worked her way harder <laughs> than the teachers. Do. <laughs> I love that. And you don't realise till they come back and tell you. I love it. So in terms of your work and how how do you because you talk a lot about engaging the public in science conversation and i talked to susie wells a couple of weeks ago about you know how how she does that really well and you know how she's learned to do that but how do we still have those conversations about what you know what we need to talk about about the world and the earth and what we're doing to it and and yet have this thing happen you know because people's minds are are often now solely focused on what's going on with this thing but they don't often connect the the earth to that and and the struggle around how we stop the earth burning you know so how do we how do you how, how has that changed for you has that conversation changed for you i i think it's always evolving like as a science communicator as, as someone that's wanting to engage with the public you're always thinking about how how you go through that process and and moving from a model that is purely ineffective of, of just a, a scientist talking to the world and expecting them to take on board all your facts and figures and, yeah. and, and make change as a result of that to much more conversational things. So, you know, Susie has been phenomenal at coming into people's living rooms everywhere and giving them some really simple information that they can pick up and and apply straight away you know she made it very real Uh, but I know that for her also that climate change and the the world uh, being ill at ease with itself or or with us as inhabitants is something that really concerns her and we know that there's a relationship between pandemics and climate change and so you know the two are heavily interlinked Uh, but interesting talking to someone as well who's from the Climate Change Commission about how, you know, there's been a lot of rhetoric around, well, we just need to do the same thing, take the same action on climate change. And she was like, well, actually, no, we, we need to not do exactly what's happened because it's been too fast with COVID. So it's been a necessary thing for this pandemic. 
but to do this sort of dramatic shutdown and think that that's the way to solve our climate change issues is, is actually not going to be effective. So I think it's just about uh, continuing to reveal the opportunities that people have. Like, did you notice how much more birdsong there was over lockdown? Did you notice how much safer you felt yeah. biking down the street with no cars? How are there ways that we can still uh, foster some of that moving forward? So what can we learn from that experience and bring into our present and our future in a way that's not so drastic and dramatic that people can't sustain it for yeah, a, totally. a long period? Because look at the, the people in Victoria and Melbourne at the moment, they're you know, really struggling with going back into lockdown the second time because first time was hard enough right yeah. so sustainability is always something we need to consider when it comes to actions and you're right like that whole conversation about making things relevant for people we talked a lot about um you know i mean i mean i'm in a in a, a chamber of people who care about the earth and they're trying to do everything they can to, 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 to. so sometimes you feel like you're talking to the converted right about those conversations but even people who i know aren't that connected to that conversation about the world having those conversations about birds and about biking and about it, it's so relevant to their lives so they go oh my god i get it like i totally get that stuff now and i i don't i've put some things in place around family and structures and strategies in my home that i don't want to lose now because we started them and and we all sat down and worked that stuff out together um and it made it really relevant for people and we yeah. do, I mean, sometimes we do quickly revert back to what, we, what we're used to, but I think some of that stuff has been stored in people's minds, definitely. I think so. And I, I you know, there's two, two things I'd probably say for me that, you know, some of my friends may be aware, but, uh, but the, if they're going to listen, they're all going to know now that, you know, I've used my, you know, my platform, my Facebook account and things for years to do stealth science communication to my network in a way that just uh, sort of intersperses that into our everyday lives and in a way that I hope is very conversational and approachable. Um, and I look at also my daughter and... She, we discovered that great realization video by Tom Foolery, which I don't know if you've seen. It's like a bedtime story that he's telling his kids, and it's set in the future, and it's about hindsight being twenty twenty. So it's the play on that phrase, but it's about you know what we learned, how we healed the earth through this period. It's just the most beautiful video that he shot in his house. But she often asks for that as a bedtime story to help her go to sleep. So she finds an incredibly comforting tale and it's so simply done and that's beautiful storytelling that I think leads to people changing their minds quite dramatically it's only a three-minute clip well worth it for anyone that hasn't seen it yeah so I think you know conversations how we how we tell stories they you know how we how we listen to people all of those things always matter in terms of creating the life that that we think that we could have yeah, absolutely. And and so somebody who's been to Antarctica, you know, 375 times. How many times? <laughs> Only seven. Seven? seven. Only seven. Um, how is that place still 
still relevant? Because it's see, and and that's a strange question, but because you know, my husband's been and, and was like, you can't explain the place, but for me, it's such, it's like the moon. It's like that's what it feels like. How is that conversation there still relevant for that? This conversation. <laughs> That's such an excellent question. And I've just come straight off a, a Zoom meeting with some Antarcticans, and we've been talking uh, about the, this very question that you've been posed and about its relevance, but also how it sort of universally touches people that go there. And I think your analogy to the moon is absolutely right, or to Mars. You know, it, it often does feel like another planet when you're there. Uh, maybe less so now because you tend to have more comms back with the real world, but but back in the day, you know, you were not really talking to anyone back here. So it may as well have been like you're on another planet, to yeah. be honest. But it is super relevant because, you know, we know that Antarctica is the engine of the ocean circulation. And so if that's not functioning right, then that feeds into all the ocean movement around the rest of the world and starts to shut down that amazing conveyor belt that we need to support life in the oceans, which in turn helps support life on land. So Antarctica is super relevant in terms of our food and our access to food and, and the health of the planet. But also Antarctica is the, the engine that drives our weather systems. And we really know that living in the South Island, yeah. uh, when we get those cold southerlies, that that's you know, giving us our healthy weather for for around the rest of the world and so you know what matters in antarctica matters to us here and we may see it as as very removed but actually you know we're being touched by antarctica by that weather or uh by the links to to what's the kaimoana that's in the sea you know all of the time without realizing it and everyday people go down to antarctica as well you know that was a conversation i was just having with these people, you know, a former telecom engineer that just got sent down there for a year and now has 22 years of uh, video and uh, photography down in Antarctica as a career and has spent, I think, 12 solid years in Antarctica. Time-wise, oh if you add it up, it's, it's quite a lot. And yet, you know, just an ordinary person. And, yeah. and so anyone could have the capacity, I think, to get down there, you know, as a mechanic, yeah, as a builder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's keep it relevant. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, well, I'd love to talk to you all day about this, but are you ready for your quick fire round? Sure. Okay. Uh, hot bath or hot shower? Shower. <laughs> favorite usually. Film? Usually. <laughs> favourite film? Oh. Just the one. Oh. oh, just the one. Oh, I don't know. The only one that's popping into my head is Shawshank Redemption. So I oh, have to go God. with that. Tear jerker. Um, favorite New Zealand biscuit? Ooh. Uh, at the moment, I'm all about the mint treat. Ooh. I will have to have a look for one of those. Um, Vegemite or Marmite? Marmite. Oh. <laughs> look at the look of disgust on your face. Um, something you're currently reading? I'm reading uh, A New Earth, Eckhart Tolle. Oh. Um, Favourite place to sit? Oh, my new velvet, super amazing chair that's uh, coral coloured. Oh, God, that sounds amazing. Um, what do you do well? 
Laugh. Good answer. Uh, Favourite hot beverage? Cup of tea. Cup of tea. And I hope you make it right, otherwise we, we're not friends anymore. Um, <sighs> one thing you would get rid of in the world today? Ang of like misogyny. There you go. It's pretty big. Um, and a uh, one famous person, alive or dead, who you, you would have invited into your bubble? Oh, David Attenborough. <laughs> You're the second person who's. Oh, really? I love it. My other, my other science friend actually said that. <laughs> it was right. a, it was a tie between him and Michelle Obama. <laughs> And uh, Victoria, tell me what you're going to go and do right now. I'm probably going to go back upstairs here and have uh, a bit of a hooey with some of the team about some of the cool work, Mahi, that we're progressing. You are, you are. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, and we will speak to you very soon. I hope so. It's been an absolute pleasure. Loved Amazing. It. Kia ora. Kia ora.